Hey everybody, this is Eric Wright, the host of the Disco Posse podcast. Thank you for joining. We are excited by an amazing show. This is a really fun conversation. If you're into SEO, SEM, SE anything, this is Jeff Coyle, and he's the co-founder of Market Muse. Super cool, uh, but before we jump in with Jeff, and I'll tell you about his story, I want to give a shout out and a thanks to the sponsors and folks that make this possible, including you. Uh, so first of all, I'll start with Veeam Software because the reason I love that they support our community and our show is that I love their products. I love their people. In fact, I've actually had a few other folks on. So do check out some of the previous uh, chats with Danny Allen. as a great example. He was the CTO. Uh, lots of fun. Lots of fun. At any rate, if you want to find out everything you need for your data protection needs, you got to back that thing up, including your on-premises, your virtualization, your cloud, your Office 365, SaaS, you name it. Back that SaaS up, they say. Well, talk about that. How about cloud native? Because you thought just because it was running in Kubernetes that you didn't need to back it up. Well, guess what? There's a lot of stateful workloads that are in Kubernetes. So check out Kasten. It's part of the Veeam family. It's amazing. If you're into disaster recovery and business continuity, because I'm the kind of nerd that is, you want to check out Vidro. Yeah, that's right. It's called the VMware. Oh, goodness gracious, VMware. It's it's in anything. It's Veeam Disaster Recovery Orchestrator. So check it out, VDRO. You want to see everything you need for your data protection and business continuity needs. Veeam is the place. Easy to find. Go to vee.am forward slash disco posse. You can find all about everything you need there for your data protection needs. Secondly, of course, while you're protecting your data and feeling comfortable, you can sit back and sip the beautiful, devilishly good flavor of a warm cup of coffee thanks to Diabolical Coffee. Diabolical Coffee is something that I've actually co-founded and I'm very proud. Uh, it is a devilishly good brew and also the most diabolically awesome swag you've ever seen. In fact, we've got a brand new special limited edition shirt that's about to come out. So you're going to want to check it out. Go to diabolicalcoffee.com and also a lot of the proceeds from the profits go to charity to make sure that we can enable people to get access to technology that did not have it before. All right, let's get to the fun stuff. This is Jeff Coyle. He's the co-founder and chief product officer at Market Muse, and they've got some really, really amazing stuff they're doing. So if you're looking at leveraging insights for making sure that you can get better access to the world, better marketing, better search engine optimization, and creating content, this is literally a complete change in the way you run websites. I've actually used the platform. Uh, super cool. Uh, you're going to want to check it out. So please do enjoy this. This is Jeff Coyle from Market Muse. I'm Jeff Coyle, the co-founder and chief strategy officer for Market Muse, and this is the Disco Posse podcast. Fantastic. All right. So Jeff, I, uh, I lit up like a Christmas tree when I saw your name cross my, uh, my guest list and I was really, really happy. I've been, I've been probably crossing paths with you through various means over the course of a couple of decades at this point, both as a reader of your content, as a contributor to areas where you've been in and now as a consumer of of stuff that's in the space that Market Muse is is tackling. So 
Uh, boy, oh boy, I'm excited about the chance to chat today. So thanks very much for joining. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the discussion. We have so many cross, path, cross <laughs> yeah. paths over the last two decades. I mean, I've been now doing this for uh, May 1st, I think is 22 years. So it's kind of scary. Uh, and and yeah, we were just catching up before the top end. And you said, yeah, there's a couple of things that were just striking. So, yeah. So uh, for folks that are new to you, I want to get you to, if you want to give a, a bit of a quick bio here. Uh, and also, Jeff, where folks, if they want to connect online, we'll remind them at the end, of course, but where where they can uh, reach out if they wanted to, to chat further on what we're going to talk about. Yeah, sure. So um, first uh, things first on the contact side, uh, Jeffrey underscore coil on uh, on Twitter. I'm at, very active on LinkedIn. Um, Jeff at marketmuse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-M-U-S-E dot com. Um, I respond to everything. I, you know, I probably and we also I also have a Slack community called the Content Strategy Collective. Um, and if you're looking for over 1500 content strategists, both technical and content-focused search engine optimization professionals, conversion rate optimization professionals um, in there, you know, just doing it every day. So if you want to invite for that uh, private group, shoot me a note um, and I can include uh, a uh, shortened link for you, Eric, so you can put it in your show notes. Nice. That's great. The uh, oh. I love the the name right out of the gates. Like the, this is something that uh, I've, I'll say I, I fought, against a lot of what we're going to talk about because I'm like the worst person to be transformed. And yet I'm in the business of transforming how people do things. Right. It's such a bizarre dichotomy of like for humans for the longest time, even like when it comes to SEO and, and mm -hmm. things that, that we do, like I've often, when I first came to my company, I was hired as a, an evangelist. And so they said, like, you're going to create content. I'm already writing blogs. I was writing right. at discoposse.com. I was doing all sorts of stuff. And they said, well, yeah, we, we need to do some, you know, SEO and on on the blogs you write. And I was and I I was resistant early. And I said, yeah. you know, I am the SEO. Like, I'm writing about stuff that I'm specifically solving. It's not... Right not necessarily meant to gather views it's actually meant to solve a bloody problem so i was a bit sort of i was that adversarial techo that just didn't want to give in to the fact that hey google doesn't find me as attractive as my peer group does and if i don't <laughs> want to find it was really weird at first right well, but that's that that is i mean you asked me for my bio that story is basically my bio and yeah. so i mean just a quick rundown i've like i mentioned i've been in this space for since 99 2000 i went to georgia tech for uh computer science usability theory i was designing like ad servers and early search engines like text search during that time i started at a company called knowledge storm we were based in alpharetta georgia which you're very familiar with um and uh i lived in atlanta uh um, until only about five years ago, I now live on in coastal Georgia, south south end, in a, on an island off the coast of Georgia, which is pretty awesome. Um, and I worked at a company called Knowledge Storm for seven years, and we were the first people really getting B two B tech companies to buy in that content can turn into leads. As shocking as that sounds, content can lead to leads, and so we were getting like IBM to syndicate their white papers. Um, we were getting companies, you know, that had white papers, brochureware to actually get them online, to get product descriptions online. And, you know, it was before there was even content marketing departments at these 
major major entities and they were it was it was an amazing time right and we were generating millions of literally millions of leads per month and selling them one to one um we were acquired by tech target in 2007 where i stayed on as their in-house um so i oh, wow, okay and, yeah so i stayed on for almost eight years um as their in-house uh, grew that team dramatically when i was there grew that network amazingly i mean we more than quintupled the traffic across all the you know 200 plus sites that they have under management. But the uh, the story you told is the story. So when I was at Knowledge Storm, you know, I didn't have editors. I didn't have writers. I was syndicating yeah. content. And you know, we were doing some abstraction, abstract writing and things like that. But then at Tech Target, over 200 great subject matter experts on staff, a thousand content contributors. Um, I think we even talked about, I think you have a, a credit or two uh, as yeah. a as a as a contributor to the to there. And what I learned really quickly was that I had a lot of the knowledge of what needed to be done and the strategic side and the product side, but getting my data into people like yours hands is harder than it seems because it's that adversary or don't tell me what to do. I'm the subject matter expert. And that's why what I'll talk about now is it's the golden age for that situation because no one is more valuable right now than great writers that are subject matter experts. But basically my journey in Tech Target was, here's a list of words, go do this. Shut up, go back into your hole. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna try a different version. I'm gonna try a different way of saying this. And here's some more data that supports it. Uh, still a little bit hesitant to yeah. getting to these manual processes that were, you know, they were painful. I mean, it, it would take me 30 hours to do one, to build one topic model that would pass muster with an editorial lead. That basically I said, if we were, if we're experts and we cover this topic comprehensively, here's the stuff we need to cover. That was my manual approach, basically. Right. It would take 30 hours, right? Um, and all the content inventories, one per year per site, maybe, right? And an audit. And then no one even agreed on the findings at the end because, you know, there right. was subjectivity and all this stuff. So I had this vision that all of these manual processes could be automated or semi-automated. The research process, the prioritization, what should I create? What should I update? And then building content briefs that could get me as the strategist and the writer or the editor on the same page. Right. Here's what's expected. Here's the meets minimum. You go nuts, cover all the stuff that makes you an expert on this, but here's kind of the guardrails. Yeah. And wow, that was the unlocker, right? And so I met my co-founder on the tail end of being a tech target, and he was starting to automate some of these things with artificial intelligence. Um, the first time I used it, right, it, my brain kind of exploded. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this actually works. This 30 hour process, you've got this down to four minutes, right? And it was like, you know, and, and I, I quintupled a section of a site um, in and against a 20 post versus 20 post comparable. Um, and it was 5x performance. A wow. performance. And I was like, oh, gosh. So then I left and to go become co-founder uh, at, at MarketMuse. And it was a little bit of a gap there. But, you know, um, but the the story was this was the first kind of payload that I thought could be turned into information that writers would get excited about. 
because it really amplifies your subject matter expertise and it blocks against blind spots because you don't know everything, right? You know a right. lot because, it, and so the story in 2008 was, you know, I'm, I'm talking to an editor and he's like, what do you know about MFM hard drives, Jeff? <laughs> you, you weren't even born yet when, you know, they, and I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of old, but I'm not that old. And he's like, yo, I've been writing about this since, um, you know, since the discs were this big, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and stuff like that. And, and so to, okay, cool, man, here's a content plan that was built using technology. Your, your pages are great. The pages you created is great. Here's four other articles that you could have written that would have supported your first piece. And here's the structures of those pages that would tell the story that we truly are the experts. And the light bulb went off. And that's yeah, what we yeah. now do with 3000 plus companies <laughs> is have those types of discussions. It's like, and, and it's everyone from, and we have companies that pay half a million dollars a year to work with us. We have people that pay $79 a month. You know, right. we have solutions that go all the way up and down the pool, uh, whether it's a large publisher, a large B2B tech company, or a solopreneur who's just trying to update five blog posts a month. Um, and we, uh, there's so many different workflows, which I know we'll get into that we've tackled, but everything from what should I create? What should I update? How do I do internal linking? Where are my blind spots? How do I improve this page? Should I write something or just update? You know, like all yeah. these questions, we answer them with our solution. And it's like, I, I, I've never been more excited with the product than I am today. I, I always joke around. It's like, whoa it does everything that I've always kind of said that it did finally. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a magical feeling when that occurs, but it's what I always find amazing too, is like the, the stories of fantastic startups that are successful mm -hmm. are always born of somebody that has a distinct and directly experienced problem. And they bring the beauty of anecdotal experience, the human experience, and an understanding of technology in order to bring these things together and solve a problem that you've got that you know others have, and then ultimately then market to other people who have the same problem. And it was funny when, you know, I talked about like my arrogance as a blogger, you know, which is just this, an unfortunate thing that we, we get hung up on early because we're lucky more than we're right that the algorithm generally found us. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like in the general blogger ecosystem, like it's, I can go out and carve out a bunch of content and it'll probably get picked up. You put it out on social. But if I actually went back and really evaluated what I was doing, I was dabbling in syndication, dabbling in amplification, dabbling in the way that I wrote and then I, what I did was actually I started to, at my company that I'm at, I, I taught, I teach my SEs how to write. Mm -hmm. And just purely is like, this is what has worked for me. And, and so I said, let me just try this out. And I said, it's, it's actually formulaic. And this is when it clicked for me. Cause I would tell people like, it's pretty simple. So the other day I had this problem and I realized that I was really going to get hung up on it. And so I wanted to get rid of this. So let's see exactly how I solved it. Now, as an industry, we face this problem all the time. Let's jump into why it's a problem. Headline. Okay. And, and I, and I went through and it's like headline, subheading, subheading. And I, and I explained to I'm like, it's stupidly formulaic how this thing works. 
but it's storytelling. You're a storyteller. I was just about to say you're a <laughs> No, no, I mean, I mean, I and I love storytelling. I listen to storytelling podcasts constantly. All of my favorite ones are um, you know, I can, I can go through a list, but no, what you what you just described yeah. is storytelling. It's the skill no one has, and in this space, and that's why you're shooting and you're shooting and rolling dice every time yeah. you pick an article to write. Yeah. So yeah. what I then started to accept was like, well, what if I? And this is where it really hit. I said, what if you gave me the subject first? And then I built the story towards it, right? And and then I started to work with other folks. And then I started to look in the ecosystem. I'm like, mm-hmm. look, there's a there's a technology way to solve this problem. And my wife does stuff. She has affiliate marketing sites. She's got mm-hmm. her own blog. And she used these practices to take her own blog from like X thousand per month to tripling the the way that the, the inbound traffic by doing just what you talked about of like optimize stuff in line, check keywords. But the problem was it's like, you feel like the person with the NASA, like you got like eight monitors around you, you got papers, you got notes, you got sticky notes on your forehead. Like you're doing everything just to try and figure out like it works, but holy heck, that's a lot of process to wrap around it. Yeah. And then she started to dabble into the product side and it didn't take long before Market Muse shows up in the old search list because you're like, oh, dang, this thing, this is kind of what it is. So that's why I'll say every blogger, every content creator, you got to look at, you're already doing this stuff. Let's let's do better stuff. And like, you know, then also I'll tell you, and I apologize. This is way more of me talking than anybody wants to hear, but I'll give you this other funny story that made me just angry. Like I was filled with this strange, bizarre rage because I said, what if I just wrote one of these goofy Buzzfeed style articles just to see if it works? And so I did. And so I wrote this article and I called it 23 things that only 90 sysadmins would remember. And it was just like token ring control. It's just like goofy, sort of listicle. And I put it out there and I put it on Hacker News and it had 15,000 views the day, the first day I launched it. And I, I almost wanted to shut my blog down and go home. I'm like, oh, this is what I'm up against. <laughs> I just got, I got beat to death by my own listicle. I'm like, but then it, again, it just lit up inside me. That's not bad. Let's exploit it. Like let's, land somewhere in the middle between the the buzzfeed list goes god bless the buzzfeed i don't mean to pick on them but it's like you know i between that and outbrain i i make fun of them all the time of like this <laughs> like 23 things like here's the slit this the system administration task that no security man wants to know you know like all these weird things show the, the ab secret that his trainer hates <laughs> but, yeah so, no, it, so it, content it, content is king but it's only given the throne on the backs of SEO and process and searchability and f- discoverability. So let's let's talk about how that thing works because people yeah. don't know, right? It's a yeah. bit of a it, black art. <laughs> but it's it's it, it's that it's it's actually that you're you're, you're right. It, it, they both need to exist. The doing it without expertise, doing it without you know, you know, really real knowledge is super hard. 
it's like tying your hands together and you've got to untie them before you even start working. Um, and so that you always have that advantage. If you know, you always have advantage if you have the nuanced view of these concepts when you are starting your content process. But the, the biggest gap really is not knowing how much needs to be built, right? And right. how much existing authority you have. It's, it's not how hard is it to perform for these topics. It's how hard it will it be for you. So you can go write that article, that amazing article. And when you put it on your blog, it will do well, let's just say, the whether it's a listicle or not, right? But if you go put that on a brand new blog, that's first page, it won't. And ah, then right. know, yeah, yeah. knowing why, that authoritativeness and how that works at the topic level, at the site, site section, subdomain, whatever the case may be level, that's the, that's the truth, right? And so what we've done is we've identified how to measure that in a reasonable way to predict outcomes. And the easiest way to do it, I call it content efficiency, is to how many articles did you write or how many update motions, whether it's an expansion or an optimization motion or just an update for currency. How many of those motions did you take last quarter? Let's just say, let's say Q1. How many of those pages were successful? The average on that for recurring value Unfortunately, everybody will gasp is about 10%. It's about 10%. That means every 10 articles you write, only one of them is successful. It doesn't have to be that way, right? We work with teams to get that number up to 40, 50%, right? So they're purposefully updating. And so that gives them the ability to get more budget, gives them the ability to actually have more predictive outcomes to say, oh, wow, I actually do have to write more or I can, I can just go update a page and that's enough for me to win on this topic. But this other one, I need more foundational building, right? right? So we go anywhere in between on that and then get you to the last mile and execute. So like literally we're writing about, you know, token ring control. Well, if you're an expert on token ring control, well, you would probably mention, you know, protocols, right? These four protocols in that content. And if you don't, you're not an expert. Right. I always use the example of, you know, if you were writing articles about content marketing strategy and you don't mention target audiences or buyer personas, you're not actually an expert. You may be an SEO, but you're not an expert. Right. Yeah. And so our technology will tell you what it means to be an expert on the topic. What are the concepts that need to be included? And it's not a sort descending search volume game, which is unfortunately what people do that fail over time. They're just looking at chasing things that don't matter, data points that don't matter, when it's really about how similar is what I'm building to that which a subject matter expert would build or how much better it is. You don't have to publish content that's not as good as anyone, any of your competitors every time. You can publish content that's better than them every time. You can publish content predictively and know it's going to be successful with you know greater than 80%, 90% predictability. Right. How much does that unlock? It makes people actually want to work. It makes people actually like care about this stuff. So they're not just throwing dice because if you are estimating traffic using, say, search volume, right, or you're estimating how much traffic you're going to get, go back to all the last five times you did that and see how accurate your predictions were. I can guarantee you were less than 50 percent accurate. You might as well flip a coin then. 
Yeah. I mean, and that's the, that's been the market. Like that's been the thing that people like stick to in the market for so long. They use Google AdWords keyword planner and that's it. And it's like, you aren't predicting accurately. If you're not predicting accurately, how useful is that? And that you're, you'll be as lucky as if you, if you just take a chicken and put it on top of a checkerboard filled with keywords. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, it, it just, it doesn't feel, it feels good. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing that I, I, you know, I have a post on, on market music says, you know, why using term frequency or search volume is an illusion. And one is it makes you feel good. If it makes you feel like you're using data a way an expert would, but it's, it's not actually providing any real value. It's like directional value. Like it'll keep you from driving off the cliff, right? right. But it's not making you a race car driver, right? Yeah, that's, that, that's literally what these, there's other solutions that basically just keep you from driving off the cliff. And I'm like, I want you to be a race car driver. Not, I'm not just trying to keep it so you don't, you know, you don't die. So, yeah. yeah and, and like I said, this is the thing of, it's the difference between being lucky and being effective and you right. can be lucky. And, and as, as if you're a consistent content creator, you get more lucky than most people because you're just yeah. creating enough content that you will get, you know, Hey, look, you'll, you'll be a great bench, you know, not, not even a bench warm up. You'll be a great, you know, journeyman hitter. You know, you'll have yeah. a, an, an average, like a, a good baseball player that will make a good living. But do you want to do that? Or you want to be Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. No, you, you've nailed it. That is such a great analogy. I'm totally stealing it because, yeah, you can't. By being an expert who knows your craft, right, and writes prolifically, you can be, you know, you can be a 222 hitter. And, you know, you are probably good in the field, so you've got a starting job, uh, you know. But you will not get to that elite zone. Um, and especially given today's competitive landscape. I mean, you've got to know your competitors. Some of them can get away with murder because they're on the highest end of authority and they yeah. are doing things you can't do. And unless you know that, they always say, don't copy your idols, right? Don't copy your idols in content right now. You will die a slow <laughs> or super fast death. And that's I, I always joke around about that because because like the major large enterprise publishers or tech companies, they get a pass on a lot of the stuff that you have to do. And so you look at them and you're like, oh, well, they did that. I'm smarter than them. So I'll just do it, too. No, no, no. doesn't work that way. So if you if you're if the advice you're getting is, you know, look at the number one ranking page and go do a better job than them. It's hogwash. It doesn't work in practice. You might as well, again, roll dice. But this time you're rolling dice where if you roll a one or a two, you're dying instead yeah. of just not writing a successful article if you're copying, right? So, yeah. But And this is the, the, the sort of interesting problem that people don't get to is that creating bad content is actually punitive. Like oh. I didn't even know this until recently. The, and so... Like 
much too much content can actually cause you to get deranked because it looks like you're basically firing up noise, and so you you will it will affect other things around discoverability, and it ultimately affects your overall authority, right? It, you know, you, the way to think about it, right? Is yeah, I mean, so it can be it can be just. You know, the cost of bad content, there's a lot of costs. And that's why when I always ask somebody, I know how uphill my climb is going to be. So how much does their content cost per page? And if their number is about 100, 200, 300 bucks, right, they aren't thinking about the true cost of unsuccessful content. So let's just use the efficiency number, right? Um, Let's say you pay an outsourced firm 150 bucks per page that you write. Let's say only one out of 10 of those articles are successful. Okay, right there, it's 1500 bucks per page of successful content. So we're already 10x, all right? Um, and now let's say you have the, you had the ability, if you had invested that money wisely, to have knocked out four instead of one article that's successful. How much upside value would that have led to? Let's say you know your value per visit, you know your RPM, your revenue per thousand page views, you know your lead value. Well, the opportunity cost of bad content is 10 times that. So the real cost of bad content is, you know, $10,000 per page. Okay. And no one's doing that math. They're doing, oh, well, I can go get a draft written on XYZ writing network for a hundred bucks. Oh, you're not counting your time, review time, update time. That's yeah. the easy way to calculate the true cost of content. But these other two metrics, unsuccessful content and now opportunity cost, you could have written the best article on the topic you should be writing on to move the needle the most in that time frame. But instead, you wrote these 10 mediocre articles for 150 bucks a pop, spent $1,500, and then you sat back and goes, why did only one of those work? <laughs> that's the real math that I try to evangelize. You're talking about being an evangelist. That's the thing that I'm trying to get people to think through is the 10 articles they wrote last month didn't do well. Why? They're probably okay. They're probably good, but they weren't strategic. Right. And why? You know, like I've got to answer the why. I'm the why, right? Is if I can, if I can tell you the why, then next time you'll put out five articles that crush it. Then you're like, whoa, I have underestimated the true cost of bad content. Then on the negative side, if you building mass quantity of low quality or thin content, the negative impacts can be significant. Um, and I'm, you know, not, not so much like a penalty. It's just if you are not consistently authoritative on a topic, on that section of the site at which you're publishing, one out of 10 is good, two out of 20 are, are good. You don't, you're not going to gather that power. Um, and that is something that no one can measure except us, right? And that's, so we can actually show you that breadth, the depth, the quality, the comprehensiveness. How consistently do you generate momentum on these topics, right? And those metrics, that's our proprietary metrics, are the closest thing to predictability of outcomes. And if you're not thinking about that or you're publishing in mass, you better be a three-letter publisher or <laughs> you, you better be like Amazon 
or someone like that to get away with that because you're not going to get away with it on your blog. It will catch you. It may not catch you today. I always joke around that there's, there's things you can do to manipulate your on page to tweak stuff. And you'll go like this, ready? Zoom. And then you're on the top of the wave. You're like, this is great. This is great. I've manipulated it. I've fooled the system. Crash. And that only works if you're an affiliate and you can just go throw away that site and start something new. That's right. Yeah, let's just okay. burn that one down and start again. <laughs> if you're a business, it doesn't work. So you do not want to wipe out with your entire business because you won't have a job if you're a, a founder, but your company won't have a, a, a source of traffic. But if you work for a business and you're ad, ad, advocating, you know, short-term risky content tricks that are being taught by affiliate marketers, yeah, you're in trouble. I mean, and I see it. I mean, we we have people that cry on our proverbial, you know, COVID shoulders, which means yeah. over Zoom, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they come all the time. They come in, they're like, I, I was listening to XYZ or XYZ, and this is how they said to do it. So I did it. And, you know, we launched 200 articles last quarter. Why did we all of a sudden crash? And I'm like, I, I, think, we got caught, they, I think we got caught up in this Google update. You know how many times I hear that? But I got penalized by Google. I'm like, Look in the mirror. You got penalized by yourself. <laughs> I mean, and, and you got penalized by listening to advice from someone who could just pick up their stuff and go to another site and you couldn't. That's the reality. They don't care if, you know, those sites don't have long term value. They're like, it's like the aggro, you know, you're hitting the, you know, your drag race. Yeah. play you're actually riding you know you know le mans yeah this is the so there's a neat merger of these things and i i've become acutely aware of all of them you know because <laughs> i've you know like any good nerdy technologist i have more side gigs than than a main gig but it's <laughs> it's in dabbling with it i've learned the hard way on some of these things like you said you know even like i had a, a site i'm like let's just try affiliate so i i literally i found a domain on i i used to do this all the time i i own a disturbing amount of domains so i buy oh, me, I, me too me i too. see a domain and i'm like the i'm the guy that goes through and looks for like high traffic about to expire meaning neat name pick it up for two bucks you know for seven bucks it, it costs me for more for the transaction than it does for the domain and I look and then I say, okay, what inbound is this getting? I create a couple of articles. So I did this one, right? And I was like, okay, this is actually an area where I'm, I'm doing stuff. I pirated up some affiliate stuff and it worked. I got some traffic for a while. And then I did exactly what you just said. And I let it slide. And now it I just buried any domain authority that that working domain had because I didn't yep. keep throwing content at it. And I knew I was, I kind of knew I was doing it. So I, I, I'm a bad person because my wife was disappointed with me. She's like, you know, I, you, I told you what to do to fix this thing. And, and, you know, I didn't keep going on it, but the, the neat thing was in doing that I've got, I should have a coffee site, you know, and uh, as you can see by the, uh, the, my diabolical coffee, you know, and I, I said, okay, I've done this thing. I know the market is good for this. And so I've actually, and it's worked like as soon as I launch it, I've actually got people buying stuff, which is fantastic. But the first thing I think is like, uh, uh, I'm not going to make this mistake. Now I'm actually going to aggressively market towards it, you know, do the right things consistently 
And this is, you know, again, like I said, and then all of a sudden here I am, I, I look through my guest list and I see marketing music. I'm like, all right, <laughs> this is the good stuff because we need help. We all need help on this stuff. And we, it takes a long time to convince people. And so th this is the neat thing. Software is particularly good at a lot of things. I'm in the business of convincing people to use software instead of themselves. And it's a tough battle because we yeah. are, we're a weird bunch of us humans. <laughs> so yeah. Jeff, what's the, like, what are, we kind of talked a bit about some of the objections and some of the yeah. challenges that you have. Like when, when does it kick in for people that they say, oh, you're right. I'm not even, you're right that that's right. This thing is working. And now they make it central to the system more than trying to like fit it in. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a couple of workflows where I think it really creates that that aha moment. Um, and it depends on who they where what their role is. But from a writer perspective, it's the first time you're able to get advice to, for example, on something that you really know and you get advice that you would have forgotten. Right. Right. It what I'll say is the most mature workflow that we service is that updating content or checking it to see if it's comprehensive. Five years ago, totally immature, and everybody was like violently opposed to it. But then you had things like Grammarly. Then you had things like Hemingway. And people are getting used to getting adjustments while they write and getting the feedback. Now we're this, you know, subject matter expert checker effectively. Are you an expert? And is are you exhibiting that expertise? So that feeling that this is, oh, it's just another grammarly like piece of feedback. I can actually scan my page and see where I've got nice, healthy topic coverage or fluff. Oh, this paragraph's complete fluff. Maybe I don't need it, right? Um, and then you go up one level. The, first time you're able to do a competitive analysis, a head-to-head -head gap analysis and say, all right, Eric's the smartest person in the world about token rings. Um, and I looked at his article, but I didn't just read it and try to emulate his narrative. I actually could x-ray it and say, here's the concepts that Eric included. He talked about these things. I need to make sure that I at least talk about those things in my own tone, voice, and you know, structure. And then the third is where I actually can look at everyone all in one view and say, what's the meets minimum? What's the table stakes for this topic? I have to cover these things. What are the things that are on my intent? Like in, when I say intent, it's someone is searching for a thing. I'm answering that. I'm giving you that right. need. So what is that thing? on intent? What are the other intents that I need to consider? Maybe not for this page, but for this cluster of content. Once you start to get that feedback and it takes a minute or two minutes and it would have taken 20 hours as a writer, you're like, oh, wow, why would I ever do this manually? I mean, that's the aha. As a strategist, it's when you get prioritization support that supports your subjectivity. By the way, the first thing, it's subject the other part of it is subjectivity. Right. So to say, I actually have a way to quantify 
objectively quantify quality and comprehensiveness. And I used to just have subjectivity. And that's that's the big change from an editor perspective, from a writer perspective. As a writer, I get, and I'll, the last point as a writer is, I can be on the same page with the person that ordered the content. Hey, at least give me 2,000 words about this topic. Here's the general structure. I'm not going to give them something. And they're like, no, you completely missed the boat. I'm at least going to be in the ballpark, right? And then I know that I'm the artist, I'm the expert, knock it out. So all those things are what everyone that works with Market Muse gets, right? And then the, the, the prioritization part is the part that's really the devilish part. I mean, that's the part that I get pumped about every day. I mean, and it gets, I mean, it's so cool. Um, and where I can look at my entire, I have an on-demand content inventory. And an on-demand content audit, on-demand topic audit. So I can say, hey, Eric, Eric wants me to tell him what article he should write today to have the biggest impact on his website. I literally press four buttons and I've got a list of 20, 30 concepts that if Eric went out and wrote a great article about using his expertise, and the, and the outline structure, general outline, he will be successful. And I can say that with confidence, okay? Versus, uh, I don't know, or let me go look at this keyword list, right? But I'm actually saying, you're strong in token rings, so go write about you know XYZ and it has semantic relatedness. You have existing authority. You have a gap in some previous pieces. Make sure you link them and intertwine them when you do write this piece. Go write this article and have, but it's that content confidence. And I know I've got an outsized advantage, or I know that if I just update this page and make it better, it's going to win. Those days are now. That's what the good people do in this space. And if you're not doing it, or you're just doing it based on search volume, you're getting your tail whipped every day and you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. I um, mean, so that's really the way that, you know, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning because I see people have that aha moment and they're like, I updated this page and I immediately saw the benefit. I'm like, yeah. I know, thing <laughs> about this, you know, and it's because you're an expert, you know, it's because you're good at it. It's because you have a writer that knows how to write. It's that storytelling component. Um, it's the story does check out that you are an expert because you have this collection of content. If I'm going to cover, you know, network optimization, right? I'm going to likely have content about 90 different concepts. If I don't, I'm not the expert. And if anyone tells you otherwise that you can go write one long form article, go pummel it with links with no support, with no support, I have a bridge they can buy because you know what that does? That gets you short-term potential win. That's the jolt cola of content, yeah. right? I want you on the smoothie or the really good coffee diet, right? So, now, the yeah. this is where it's a neat thing too because we've there's so many things that come into the market. And, mm -hmm. and I think one of the biggest... I said, look at him. I'm going to talk up your product more than anybody else. You know, I, I won't make you talk it up because I I can look at each thing you just talked about being in right. one spot 
is incredible because yep. I know there are tools that do, you know, keyword research, mm -hmm. tools that do something about existing, you know, tuning some of your flow in your article. There's tools right. that do, you know, looking for questions and answers and and trying to find, you know, question content that will help you. There are two, but what have I just done? I got a toolbox full of tools at, mm -hmm. you know, 48 bucks a month per tool plus, you know, limits on things. And so you, and then I'm the human glue. It's got to pull it all together. And then I get even, I'm both excited and frustrated when GPT-3 comes along and, and you could go in and you can just like, I, I was amazed by, like I've been following the open AI stuff since it was started. And when I saw GPT-2, I'm like, all right, let's test this bad boy out. And I did a bunch of really, really well testing. I've been working in NLP and, and AI for quite a while doing different stuff. I do it for analysis, actually, for like sentiment analysis for certain things, because mm -hmm. I actually wrote a little app that helps people for mentoring and coaching. And they just write daily logs and mm -hmm. I get them to like, hey, here's, you know, here's what I say. You know, you know, this is my day starting today. I had a good day. I've I'm eating Jeff for a podcast, so I'm excited about that. And then I run like on a little slider. How do you feel? How do you feel today? Mm -hmm. And then I run NLP and sentiment analysis against it to see if you're lying to yourself. Right. It's actually kind of neat to see the measurements over time, how people like I can tell when they're having a bad day. It's kind of mm -hmm. weird. Yeah. So then GPT two comes along and I can be the reverse. I can write the bloody, you know, morning notes for myself. <laughs> and then GPT three came along. And of course that is like the, the world could come to an end. And Elon says, we have to stop AI before it takes over. Like, and we see all these sort of like end of the world things. And I actually read your article where you compare your own platform and you very honestly talk about you know, the effectiveness of GPT-3. And so I'd actually love to unpack that for folks here, you know, if you don't mind, Jeff, because you're yeah. in the space and you do this stuff. Um, no, GPT-3 is one of the most amazing things that exists right now. And there's people launching products in using GPT-3, but they aren't creators, right? They're app users against GPT-3. They're getting you know, prompts or they have a reseller agreement. They're creating user interfaces and interactions. But GPT-3 is GPT-3. It's a thing. And it's owned by OpenAI and Microsoft. Um, about four years ago, five years ago now, um, we got inspired to start to build in natural language generation. Um, and I see, you know, I, I don't really talk about this too much, but for you, I'll, I'll get into it. I see three main core use cases um, outside of some of the short form content that's being kind of touted as the big implementations. But from a usability perspective, you really have bulk content, right? You have, I'm gonna, I have to write 20,000 articles about this, that have this structure. And that is like the arias, the automated insights, the um, narrative science. They've been trying to do that for financial sites. Um, Washington Post had famously launched Heliograph, which is their internal NLG. It uses templates. Oh, okay. But with EBT3, it is you know a language model. And we built our own competitor of GPT3. Um, and it is focused specifically on expertise. So it... Built being an expert on a topic, 
not a general model that then you can ask it a question and it can give you read, readable content. We want it to provide expert content. And so when you looked at like, you know, the Guardian article, for example, yeah. um, or if you look at some of these structures, and I'll tell you how people are getting around it, right? So OpenAI will only give you short form prompts. So people are like stacking up multiple prompts. And they're trying to weave together. That's right. Prompt, glue it prompt. together as a total narrative. <laughs> hey, there's a problem there. And I will let them go play that game. It's, there's a short-term memory, long-term memory concept. Um, there's degradation um, in the NLG. NLG is a tricky science, right? Um, and GPT-4, Google's language model is 6x GPT-3 right now. Their internal model. Um, and GPT-4, whenever it comes out, it'll probably be like tomorrow, as I say it, um, will be even better. Um, but it's not tuned specifically for this use case. And what we're focused on is I want to bring right now, you know, all of this, none of them really will consistently pass muster with a subject matter expert yet. You know, GPT-3, you read it and you're like, oh, this isn't true. This is questionable. This is real language, but would I use this? You know, or if you try to publish cold GPT-3 content as blog content, you're gonna probably cause some problems. I don't want to get into all of those problems. Um, it's it's like Play-Doh. You have to form it into like what it looks like on the box still yeah. to get it to go. Um, can it be inspirational? Absolutely. I mean, can it get you going? Yeah. Can it give you um, you know, general structures. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, I'm trying to do like kind of the next version, the next thing. That's why we call it Market Muse first draft. I want to give you the first draft that fits within the guidelines of your outline with it, of your um, brief, for example. Um, and our version now is amazing, but the next version is even more. And then, you know, because these language models, they just get better and better. So people are looking at it and they, they get it at first draft and they're like, ah, oh, well, this still took me two hours to edit. I'm like, fair. I actually, I'm a terrible writer, right? It's funny. I've been doing this for a long. I just can't, I, I, I'm like, you know, ah, you know, I, I, I overanalyze it. Yeah. I, I, I look at a word. I'm like, there's something wrong with this. You know, I just get into it. I wrote the first post that I wrote instead of it just being an interview, because I can talk, as you know. Um, so typically the way that I get stuff out is my content strategist will interview me, get all the energy out of my oh, brain, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he will craft it, because he's a beautiful storyteller. Um, but I actually wrote a 3,000 word article the other day, and it took me almost four hours, which for me, it's four hours or I'm not gonna do it, right? Right. And I got this <laughs> stuff and I actually did it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this works. And um, I'm like, but it's still it's still four hours. So some people who can knock out a post in an hour might go, oh, is this really giving me much benefit? Well, it's all going to catch up. Our next versions are going to be write-aheads. Our next versions are going to be composed modals. Our next versions are going to be validate an outline and get a draft quickly, right? So we're going to be getting to the point where various interactions that you're familiar with yeah not just getting payload people judge payload and it sounds a little esoteric when i say it that way but when you read that guardian article right you read it and you're like 
I judged it. Is it good or is it bad? We, those weird people you're talking about, the humans, we read stuff and we judge it, right? Yeah. That doesn't help you, right? What you need to do is understand how it could help you get to that finished piece and measure the value of that. It's just like someone doing the keyword research for you. It's just like me predicting what you should write more well than you would have done subjectively. It's did me having this draft make it so that I saved 30 to 30 minutes, an hour, two hours? Did it make it so that I didn't write an unsuccessful article and I might have, right? That's the cost benefit analysis for right now. The world is looking at it wrong, sadly still, because yeah. they're like, I want this to write for me, okay? Not the goal yet, right? Because because the, the downside of a bad content item and the impact, what happens if you do this, right? And you, do, and you let it run wild and you crash and burn. It's a big it's difference. Same problem. In, same problem. We, we have this, and this is the thing where it also becomes the problem of even the discussion of these platforms and products being used mm -hmm. like, oh, so, you know, so it's great. I got me at market use. I get first mm -hmm. draft. Is it going to get re replace me? And you're like, no, 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 no. Like, look, I'm a, I'm a content creator. Right. When I, when I can be, and it, ha it requires inspiration, focus, uh, you know, certain things. So look, if I, someone tells me I need a data sheet, a two pager, uh, that tells the story, I can either create it from scratch, which will take me about three days. Or I can take an old one, copy mm -hmm. it, paste it, adjust, do some nuancing. And then what I've learned by doing stuff, like it's like, okay, so I can carve what I've in first draft. It gives me the narrative flow that I'm after. It, you, you've given it the right information to start with. I can then go in and put my voice on it. And yeah. I've learned like, so this is always the funny thing too. I think as a content creator, I used to make fun of you like, hey, the CTO over at company X is a really good writer. I'm like, no, I'm a really good writer because <laughs> I wrote that. I wrote like CTOs don't have time to write great articles. They are CTOs. But yeah. I, I've, I used to be a, there's many an, an article out there with someone else's name on it and my content in there because right. I was their first draft. Yep. I'm like, here's what I would write. So you put exactly. it out there. And so this is for me. Now I need first draft right. because I don't have time to do this. I've got too many things going on, but I still need to create content. And so what do I do? I'm lost in logistics and I, I haven't written an article in weeks. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're nailed. You've nailed it. And I have the luxury of having one of the most amazing content strategists and multiple great writers on staff who know this scheme. So when I look at a market muse, my market muse inventory, I say, Hey, Steven, Steven Jeske, by the way, go look him up. He's awesome. Um, he, Hey, Steven, we wrote this great article about how to get a Google knowledge panel. Well, market muse just told me these four other support articles that if we wrote them, they would be successful. His response, I'll put it in the queue, Jeff, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but, but no, I mean, not like that, but you know, it goes in the backlog, right? It's because I, that's, that's, and you know, I, and I'm, and I'll say, you know, Hey, I think a great post with this, this would be from my expert lens, right? Because I think it's something that would be exciting, right? That's not going to come out of market news, right? Yeah. We'll be just no, but we will go 
check that brief, build a brief with Market Muse and check it and make sure that it's going to be successful. Because I can go take any word and check my existing authority, my competitive advantage, my personalized difficulty and go, ooh, I shouldn't write an article about that because I would need to write 20 to get yeah. an impact. This other one, I write one and I have that impact. Oh my gosh, imagine having that skill. Imagine being able to know whether I've got to write one or 20 and how much impact. I, I just I just delivered a plan for a client. And before that, we said, hey, you either you have two product lines. I won't say what they are. You'll guess the company. <laughs> um, two product lines, technology company. One is less sexy, but you have more authority. This, this year, you need to write about 60 posts on these topics in order to be successful. And they said, oh, um, okay. The other one, it's more sexy. You have no authority and it's super competitive. You need to write about 240 posts. Yeah. They defunded the other product line and invested completely in the one, the 60. Because they're like, hey, maybe if things get better this year, because last year was tough, we'll go back and we'll build that big mass of stuff that you tell us we had to build. Um, they knocked out the first 10 articles, already double traffic to that section. So they're loving us, right? But I mean, this is about business decisions too. Because if I told you, hey, Eric, don't write any more stuff about VMware. You're just, you're climbing the climbing the hill, right? You know, yeah. Ryan Madden's already written it all, right? Um, yeah, but no, you, you go into this mode knowing how successful you're going to be, right? Yeah. And that, that's the difference maker. It's not, you know, not climbing a hill that you're not going to finish getting to the top. You're going to like stop in the middle and go, ah, I'm done. You know? well, and as, and here's the thing. And, and this is when I, I, I implore the bloggers out there who love what they do because they were born in an ecosystem and they don't want to become the business of blogging. And I tell them all the time, there's why wouldn't you want to do that? You can still do the thing. Look, I can yeah. be Barry Bonds and I can still go out and play t-ball with my kids. It right. doesn't mean you can't do what you love at the same time. So if I wanted to write articles that are going to get me authority, that are going to build revenue, that are going to give me a personal brand that's much more far-reaching, but I also wanted to, hey, I need to write a bunch of articles about VMware because I really dig it. I know I'm not necessarily going to go by like, they did a new release. Like I can carve one of those out because it's easy and I'm passionate about it. So I can carve one of those out fast. Mm -hmm. But then I'm not doing 10 of those expecting it to be creating authority and creating brand anymore. But then I can do it. It's like, I always tell people, and this is the, I get yelled at all the time. We're all in marketing. And we're all in sales mm -hmm. and people get really upset by that for some reason. And I'm like, look, I'm the same. I'm the same way. You don't want to necessarily accept it, but we have to think about what's next now. And when it comes to content, don't just rely on being lucky because guess what? That's the other thing too. People that were bloggers in the I'll say like the tech target years, like there was a, a real heyday of, you know, there was folks that are on UBM. There's a bunch of different, you know, right. companies that were in that space. You know, it was the birth of Stack Overflow. Like it was brand, everything was new. People were in the VMware forums. We were, that was where life occurred for these ecosystems. They were, they built future bloggers through these platforms. 
but that is no different by thinking we can repeat that than it is by wearing your high school football jacket at 48 and thinking it makes you athletic. <laughs> it, I mean, I love that analogy too. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to roll up here with my, with my, with my letterman's jacket. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, but, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of like, I, I laugh when it's you know, like, Oh man, Jeff, you've been doing SEO since before it was a thing. I'm like, yeah, but, it's not, I'm not doing the same, the same stuff. Yeah, I am yeah. still advocating for content quality and I've been doing that for a very long time. And this is now those people, it's their ideal scenario. They didn't have to do monster pivots when content quality came to be in cat in, in, you know, cool. Right. Yeah. Um, because they were already doing it. It had, you know, they did, they had to do a few things that changed, you know, changes their behavior. And, you know, there's a lot of things in technical SEO that's very important, mo very extremely important site structures. Um, you know, now uh, in May, uh, core web vitals, which is your site's performance. Oh, yeah. um, and that's going to have a major impact, um, you know, but the proof is, I mean, there's a lot that authoritativeness and understanding how that works can give you. You can get away with a lot more if you've got beautiful content, um, and you know it, it makes it so that your slightly slow site doesn't get bombed when st stuff happens, which stuff always inevitably happens. But if you think you can get away with a 2018—I'm I'm not even saying 2008—a 2018 publishing model over time, your lunch will be eaten by some of these publishers that are machines. And I'm not just talking about my customers, right? I'm talking about, there are a couple who aren't my customers, which I wish they were, because they're wonderful. But they've, <laughs> built their, they've built their own internal machines. And um, I, I'm i lucky, I get to go talk to them and they're friends of mine and I watch their stuff work and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, Market Muse would make you even more of a deadly weapon. And they're like, yeah, but we spent $10 million on this thing. Like, we're just going <laughs> to turn it here. And I'm like, yeah, but for like one more million dollars, you can, you know, go implement this across your entire org and, you know, double your performance. They're like, no, nah, we spent this $10 million. But these folks are doing, I mean, they have 90 Barry Bonds. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it literally is that. And, you know, you, you're joking around. And I look at some of these writers' hit rates. I mean, 75, 80% hit rates on their content. And I'm just like, oh, it's, you, you all get it. Like, that's real. You can have that today. And, and they, the really, the biggest thing holding up writers and editors and strategists is just the belief that they don't have to have that level of predictability and that it is chance and, and, and inertia. Like, or like, oh, I hear this all the time. You don't understand our industry. You can't possibly <laughs> know my stuff, right? I, I'm like, no, I've written about nitrile gloves. I've written about ball bearings for trains. I've written about, you know, online gambling for bingo. Yeah. And dogs. I mean, I mean, you name it. I've, I, it doesn't matter. The concept doesn't matter. I mean, like the, the most esoteric subsection of construction management software, like, I mean, yawn city, but hey, 
you, there are experts in that, right? Unless it's truly something that no one has ever done ever in this whole world. Like you created a new branch of science that okay. no one else has. Like, okay, yeah, it's all about you. Unless, it, it, other than that, it's empathy. You've got to know the customer and you've got to know the buyer journey. You know? Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is the neat thing. And number one, you'd hit on a, a huge thing, right? Forget about the industry you're in. What about the industry you're adjacent to? Could you take the practices you do today and move them to another industry when it's market news and what you're talking about? <clears throat> it's yes. When it's me, I used to joke, I would go to a hotel and I'd be doing like, you know, I'd be there for some user group event and I'd walk in and you'd see the placard, you know, for some other thing. And it was like the, you know, the blood workers, you know, uh, Northeastern blood worker collection associates, you know, uh, whatever, something going on user group. And I'm like, there's some person in that room talking about platelet counts and, and these people are fantastically enjoying this experience. I'm chuckling from the outside going, you know, there's an accounting firm and they're like sitting there joking over drinks going, and then this idiot fills out a TP 294. Like, what does he think he's doing? So I'm laughing at them the same way that they laugh at me when I talk about whatever I talk about. But I have a huge respect for the fact that I know that what, what you're talking about is creating a, pla a process, formulas, systems that we know work across whatever the industry is. Mm -hmm. And if you get out of your head as a human long enough to say, hey, look, when Ray Dalio wrote Principles and he talked about using algorithms to make decisions alongside humans that ultimately could free up the humans to do better things with those decisions, right. people got angry because they didn't want to be replaced by the algorithm. And I'm like, you're not being replaced by the algorithm. You're doing something more goddamn meaningful because do you want to, do you really want to be known as the person that did the, the decision or do you want to be the person that it changed a life because you weren't sitting in there looking at charts and graphs, trying to find the ideal time to trade a stock? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's right. I mean, that that's the whole, the whole nuts and bolts of the thing is that you can become a superhero you can have superhuman abilities by embracing this stuff does it hurt does it hurt a class of person yes so does factory automation so does in this case writing the market for low quality content across a network the bar just got raised and i am happy about that because you you will not be there will not be an active successful market for low quality content in you know twelve months, and that is the market that disappears. That's it. Everything else levels up. And it, it, so I tell people all the time, and I have to tell myself, I became where very awakened to the value of this when it's and it when you realize when you put skin in the game you buy a site you build a blog you do something where you're like paying money for it like i i use an email app called superhuman funny called superhuman yeah right? and i pay 30 bucks a month for this email app and people are like eric you're an idiot why would you pay money for an email app 
I'm like, because I know I'm paying $30 a month. So every day I use it like it tells me it should be used. I go into my email three times a day. I action every single email in the course of five minutes. Mm -hmm. How many times do you open your email app and bury yourself into to-do lists and, and write stuff down? And the cop so tell people, I'm, look, this solves my problem. I'm willing to pay for it. And as a mm -hmm. result, it it makes me think hard about my behavior because I know that I'm invested in the outcome. And this is when I look, you know, like I said, Mark and me is another great example. Why would I take it on easy? Because I know I've got, I'm paying for these websites. I'm paying for brand authority. I'm doing all this other stuff. I'm putting out press releases. I'm doing all these things. If you're doing it to get back to your site, where you're hoping that a moderately hard call to action is going to generate revenue for you. Right. I care a hell of a lot about making sure that the right people find it. Yes. And this is the way to get them there. It's fun too. I, I got to tell you. <laughs> it is. It's, it's so good. <laughs> it's, it's fun when you write it and you feel like it represents your expertise and you knock it out. I mean, I was joking around about the one article that I knocked out this year, this yeah. year so far, uh, that wasn't just on an interview, but watching that one be number one in organic search for its extremely comp competitive topic, like, and watching it, I'm like, hey, <laughs> that, that's awesome. That draft was created with artificial intelligence. I mean, yeah. and I, added and i'm i modified a great deal of it um but if it what if it hadn't if the play-doh hadn't been built there i never would have knocked that out and now i'm number one we're getting searched and i'm not saying that's going to happen every time but mark amuse told me that i had a great shot at it if i wrote something great and i did i wrote something great and that's i mean that's one example but i mean we have people writing thousands of articles a month with our content briefs and things like that. And they're having that experience more often. And it does, it, it gets the teams aligned. Right. It does, it just does. If you don't believe it, your SEO team gives you a recommendation. The content strategists, the writers, they all actually are on the same page. You knock out the page and it's successful. When's the last time you had that, you know, group remote hug? You know, hey, this actually yeah, right. worked. This actually worked. I mean, and that, it, it is empowering. It really is. I mean, and, and it does change teams. And if you think Especially about in opposition any, or silos, yeah. Mm -hmm. Any of the objections people would have is no different than even as a simple, like I'm an amateur athlete and I'll say, would I ever say, no, I don't want a personal trainer. I want to do it on my own. Okay. Right. So I get a personal trainer and the personal trainer says, what we should do is we should do like blood ox testing and check for lactic acid. You're like, nah, I don't want to use the numbers. I want to just be anecdotal on how and how it works. No, no. Right. You're not going to, you're not going to go to the next level. If you're, if you're writing surely for the love of writing and that's good on you, that's fantastic. Like I said, you'll be lucky. Uh, mm -hmm. and it may work out, but whatever it is, I just tell people get on yeah. the program. <laughs> I mean, the to do for anyone listening to this is how lucky are you today? Yeah. Go do that math, get your content efficiency rate. Send me a note. I'll calculate it for you. Trust me. You know, I, I mean, I, and I do this all the time. I show people how to do a five minute audit. I show people how to do a, 
uh, quick content efficiency rate for themselves, it's clear the mirror, you yeah. know, because you might because then you start hearing the excuses. Oh, well, that's a lot of old stuff. I need to delete that anyway. I'm like, I'm like, no, no. First of all, don't delete. Just yeah. Let, 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 let's talk about that. But no, you you, you get into the, the excuses and um, but truly, how much content did you create in, let's say, Q1 or last year? And how much of it was successful? And put that number on the wall. Put that percentage number on the wall. And whatever that number is, do an inversion over 100% and then multiply your average cost of content. That's your true cost of content and not even an opportunity cost. And do that exercise. It's worth five minutes, trust me. And you'll go, oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. I got, I, got, I got a problem I didn't know I had. Uh, need to talk to somebody. So, yeah. Well, and the other case too is you're starting from zero. You know, I'm actually advising a startup and we literally, you know, brand new, you mm -hmm. know, we're using a .io domain because there's a .com already out there. So I'm fighting uphill, but I know it's a battle that I can win if I yep. use the right tools and the right processes. And this yeah, is no, where this comes in. Right? Yeah, brand new sites are, are tough, but it's 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 um you know aspirational. What do we want to own? And then it's competitive cohort analysis. So we actually are looking at the closest equivalency sites on topics or semantically related topics. How much content did they create? How much content do they update? What's their off-page um, dynamic? So publishing cadence, update cadence, link velocity. Uh, how many? How many? How much off-page value are they acquiring at what rate? And now I do that for many sites. Yeah. And now I know. Hey, if I go write 135 articles in the first quarter, and I also have this much marketing dollars brand marketing this much, then I can set, I can be confident that I'm going to have this much recurring traffic in month eight, right? That's what I'm trying to enable too. It's just another use case. So yeah, I mean, it all is possible with these branches of natural language processing. So, so how do people get started? <laughs> Cause I want them in there. Uh, and, and I say this, like I, I may be, I may be fawning over it a little bit. And I can truly say this is little, this is, Miss, I chose to be really excited about this and market muses. I've read, I studied, I know what's going mm -hmm. on. I've seen other products that are out there and I've dabbled with a lot of them. And so I say this, and I also say it knowing that I'm literally not incented to say it, you know, at this point we're, we're just, we just stumbled upon each other here, you know, and it's just funny when it all comes together. So very certainly this is no paid, uh, you know, endorsement. This is me. I know the bloody market and I know what, what can work. And so how do I get people in to learn more, Jeff? You know, the two main product lines are separated, um, you know, starting April 1st, we have some different packaging. Um, one is the, the do-it-yourself applications. So optimizing existing content, identifying good internal link structures, competitive analysis, research. Um, and that's one level. You can go to the site and buy self-service product-led growth focused offering um, that's market muse standard um, if you want the strategic side where there is a content inventory you want to see your existing content your strengths and weaknesses your personalized metrics for difficulty if you want that metric for topic authority that's our market muse premium offering um, you give us a buzz 
fill out a form and we will sync up with you because there's a lot of possibilities in customization. You can bring your own word lists, you can configure it in a hundred different ways, uh, but we'll tune it specifically for what you need and for your size of team. The self-service offering is limited in usage and users. Premium offering, unlimited users, unlimited usage. It truly is a team focused collaborative offering and it keeps getting better and better. Um, but yeah, go to the website um, or shoot me a note, Jeff at marketmuse.com. Or if you prefer to DM me on Twitter, I answer all those too. Um, just tell me kind of what you're thinking um, and I can put you, point you, put you in the right uh, you know, vehicle basically. Nice. Thank you. I, Cause I'm sure there'd be a lot more that I would have loved to dig in on general startup founding and all sorts of stuff. And, but it's like this, this, this topic I'm passionate about because, mm -hmm. and I know people that listen, they're in the business of content as well. And then I, I'm, it's probably said, just looking at my clock, I've totally blown over my time with you. <laughs> I'm eating up your next, I'm selfishly stealing more knowledge, but Jeff, this no, is fantastic. Okay. And I really appreciate, you know, this is stuff. So there you go, folks. Get on in. Uh, it's marketmuse.com. We'll have links in the show notes as well. And thank you. You know, this is, I love your passion about it because this is, I can tell you, it's born of what you really want to do and how you can amplify people's effect. And it's, that's the whole goal. That's why we do this stuff. It's like, how do I make someone's life better than yesterday? And uh, I see how it fits very well. It is. And, and that's really the spirit is to say, you know, I want your editor, editorial lead, your content strategist, your content marketer, your demand gen people and your SEOs to all not only get along, but feel like, you know, in this case, Market Muse has made them all better. Like and they're cool with that, you know, and if that happens, you know, that's the that's the stuff. I mean, I nothing makes me feel better than when someone says, oh, yeah, we use market news and like I don't I couldn't live without it um, or you know we've tried something else it felt more like a trick yours your solution you know makes sense because it my editors love it right it, it, stuff like that is you know that's what keeps your blood flowing when you do yeah. this you know that, that's what being a co-founder is about too you know it's 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 it's, it's your baby <laughs> beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing awesome Jeff thanks very much thanks Aaron Appreciate it.